Having traveled through the book of Philippians now for the fourth time, the fourth chapter, it's pretty clear what this is all about, as I said. And in this chapter, as in many places in Philippians, there are quotes upon quotes that have not only stuck in the mind, but in the heart. Think about this. The Library of Congress has called this film the most watched film ever, ever. It was filmed in 1939, and I'm sure you've seen it. Well, almost positive. I know many of you have seen it multiple times, as I have. It's a story about a young girl and her friends. Three friends, a man of tin, a man of straw, oh, and a lion, a lion. Oh, and also the man behind the curtain in the make-believe place of Oz. You picture it? Well, you can see it if you can't picture it. An iconic moment, an iconic film. We relate, we try. But all of this brings to mind or comes to mind when I think about courage and the lion takes a spotlight in my mind as we want to think and talk about embracing joy and doing so courageously. I hope you've been reading the letter. And if not, that you read it today or at least chapter four again on your own because we're continuously talking about embracing joy continually and also completely, confidently, and dare I repeat it one more time? courageously. The lion? The lion was a scaredy cat. Yes, even from the beginning. He wanted courage, and he knew and we that he needed courage. So did the Christians in the city of Philippi. I need courage as well, and I believe that you also need courage. And so at the outset, we want to understand not only the need, but the reality, we're not going to get it from a little man behind a curtain. We're going to get it from another behind a curtain of sorts. We get it, we receive it through God in Jesus. Courage. Courage is, I can do it. And courage is, I will do it. It's not just positive thinking, as in Norman Vincent Peale, or as in Joel Osteen. Courage is more. I can do it and do it in the Lord. Here's one of the iconic verses. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That means that we just can't produce it ourselves, pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, but we can become courageous in Jesus Christ. The lion needed help. We too, and we get it from a most powerful, dependable, and reliable source. And courage is ultimately doing something, like that verse I just read. I can do, and I will do, whatever stands in front of us, like doing God's will and walking in his ways, doing things as we take on a powerful person, or an enormous task, 
something that seems perhaps too big for us to do on our own. Doing something God-directed and God-pleasing, even against all odds, even against opposition. Verse 9, the courage I'm talking about is faith. Paul wrote, put your joy into practice. That's what his letter said. Joy is that abiding, deep connection with Jesus that goes to our very core in faith. It is a part of faith. Faith always is doing. As much as it is anything else, faith is doing. It's not enough. Faith is not just thinking that, yes, there is a God. And it's not just, it's not only I trust him for my salvation in Jesus. Faith is ultimately taking those realities, bringing them together, and doing something. Faith is in action. Paul makes that extremely clear. God, time and again, makes that clear. Faith is in part courage, more than the courage that that lion got. We've got courage in Jesus Christ. I can do, do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Understand, there's no verse more misapplied than this verse. I can do all things through Christ. I've seen it, maybe you have too, little uh, statues of Jesus accompanied, for instance, and I've seen it by a little boy kicking a soccer ball and inscribed there, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm not sure that applies. Or a little girl with baseball and bat in hand and the same inscription underneath or whatever else we want to put there. This joy, being able to do all things in Christ, is much, much more. Paul points out for us today that this ability, this courage, comes in the midst, first of all, of anxiety, and it comes also for us in times of need, like his need that he describes in these words. Anxiety. Paul must have written these words because somebody was anxious, or somebodies, perhaps in the people in the congregation of Philippi to whom he addressed his love letter, and others who also received this letter as it was passed around. Many such people were anxious, and perhaps about many things. Anxious, not in terms of, I can't wait but anxious in the sense of being full of fear, discomfort about something or somebody. And that's where anxiety comes from, right? It comes and spreads out of fear, fear about a whole list of things, or, or maybe one big thing in particular, a problem. Maybe it's at home, maybe it's at work, maybe it's here or there, maybe it's about a sickness, uh, something that somebody said to us that makes us afraid or insecure. Or think about today's gospel reading with Peter. The wind and the waves. Jesus said, come, come walk on the water with me. Paraphrase. Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water. He focused on the Lord Jesus. But when he took his focus off of that and saw the wind, as the text says, the effects of the wind... And the large waves, what happened? But he began to sink. There was no fear 
And then there was great fear when he took his eyes off the Lord Jesus. And that's the way it works for us with anxiety. When we take our eyes off the strength, the power, the solution to everything. Ultimately, fear and anxiety come because we look to ourselves. Self-centered rather than God-centered. And we begin to think we can't do it, whatever it may be. But we can proclaim, like Paul, I can do all things through him, through Jesus, who gives me strength. Did you hear that? Through him, through Jesus, we're going to find our strength. We're going to find our faith. We are therefore going to find courage, courage that he gives. Because Jesus can do everything. Jesus can do it all. He did it all. Not only leaving his heavenly home and making his home among us, he did it all as he served people by teaching, by being with them, by strengthening them with his words and with his healing powers, and ultimately going to the cross. The Lord is near. He was in Jesus. He still is near in Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And remember, as Paul wrote, in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And there it is, besides remembering and bringing to mind prayer. Prayer is a way to draw on the strength and power of the Lord, which produces the courage we so much want and so much need. And then comes true what Paul wrote in verse 7, when he wrote, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus peace. That's what joy and the courage it brings. As we embrace it, it brings peace. Embrace joy courageously in the midst of anxiety and in the midst of need. Those two often go together, anxiety and need. But courage is what we need in either and in both cases. They're related. Everyday needs if they're little needs or if they're huge and even overwhelming or seemingly overwhelming needs that we can't meet by ourselves. The need is there. The need for ourselves, and once we get beyond ourselves, the needs for others who are around us. And as Christians, we well know that. Needs like having enough money personally for the congregation, for the work at large in the kingdom, having a job, a good and fulfilling job, having a secure and peaceful life within our own home, but even in broader dimensions all around us, a need to get better from sickness, to avoid things like the big C's, cancer and COVID, a need for some kind of treatment or surgery, those all bring about legitimate needs that reflect also in anxiety. A need for a pastor, the next one to lead, to guide, to care for us, and to equip us as God's people for the mission he's given to all of us. The list is long, but God, God is strong, and his strength produces courage. Anxiety is connected to worry. 
You know, an old translation of one of these famous verses, King James put it, be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing? You have to stop and think about that. That's not all bad. But a newer translation puts it head on, straight up. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry. Why? Because the Lord is near. Because he is in the picture to meet our needs, to take away our fears. He knows our needs even better than we do. Sometimes we're misled. We misunderstand. We focus too closely on ourselves. But God knows, and he knew our biggest need, that is to be brought back to him. A need that Jesus fulfilled for everything else that he did. He met that need in his living, but also in his death and ultimately his resurrection. We needed to get reconnected to God because our sin tore us apart from him by our doing, not his. And there's no way we've been able, no way we will be able to bridge the gap to bring ourselves back to God. It's just not going to happen. But it can and it does happen through Jesus who has brought us back connected to God, who continues to reconnect us time and again when sin breaks that connection and would tear it apart altogether again. That sin that separated us in the hands of Jesus gets taken care of, and with it comes our courage, our confidence, which leads to courage. Something I didn't think about till this past week. I don't know why, I just didn't think about it. But words like discouragement and encouragement find their root in the word courage. You ever thought, well, you probably have thought about that. It dawned on me that discouragement is sucking the courage out of us. Sucking the courage out of us, even that belongs to us in Jesus Christ. To live without it, to lose confidence, to not be positive, to worry. And you know what? This is all the work of the devil, of our enemy, of Satan. He takes joy or better happiness in trying to pull us apart again and again from our source of joy, our source of strength, and our courage. Remember Moses. You heard about him in the first reading today. As his time was coming to an end at 120 years old, his mission was complete. And he was ready to pass on that mission to the God-appointed man of Joshua. Listen again to what he said to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, the godless inhabitants of the Canaanite. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor, nor forsake you. It was almost those identical words that Joshua turned to his armies and said, have courage. He put it exactly the same way as they went about God's mission, possessing the land that he had promised. And you see what happened there. The words inculcated courage. God's word, that's what it does. It strengthens, it brings about courage. That's what we need. The confidence the courageousness within us that gives us support and gives us hope. We all want it. We all need it. It's the best thing we can do is to exercise it. We can do that by hooking into God's joy. Not just once, not just sometimes, 
but repeatedly again and again. You know how to do that, don't you? We listen to God. We read and therefore hear his word that has power. And Paul points us to prayer. It's a prayer for God's strength and courage to fill us again and again. And it comes through our words, our words of encouragement one to another. God works that way even among us, that we can put courage back in people's hearts as we reflect on his words and communicate those, even our own words. You know, it's kind of like when we watch the little ones as they're part of an athletic contest or as they do their work in school. We encourage them with our words. We reinstill as best we can with God's help and direction the encouragement that they need. We take our cues from God, and God does the work. That courage is contagious. Think about that. It is contagious. When we see the courage of Jesus, how he lived, how he died, and how God raised him in victory, we take heart. And we see a fellow Christian's courage, too, as empowering. All over the scriptures, there's evidence including a man who comes to mind by the name of Barnabas, whose name means son of encouragement. I guess that should all be our middle name, if not our first name. Courage as we make a stand for life. Life as God's gift from beginning to end. Courage so that we don't shrink back from big issues like racism, but that for whatever other reasons we want to put them off, that we take them in. And we not just look to others, but we look at ourselves in repentance and take courage in the forgiveness and set off by doing things a little differently or a lot. We need courage to face the multiple problems that politics presents these days, to draw on the Lord's to take his kingdom perspective and make it ours. There's more than enough reasons to embrace the Lord, to embrace joy, and to do it courageously because we know what we've got. We know the challenges we face, and we know that the Lord is with us to work beyond us as well as within us. The key to courage is in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. And so I can say again, rejoice. I can do do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You don't have to be a lion to look for joy. We've got the Lion of Judah, who has given and continues to give us joy. So I can conclude by sharing with you what St. Paul shared with Christians in the city of Rome. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And to that we say, Amen.